Thank you guys this morning. All right, good morning. I'm glad everyone's here today. I love that song. You know why I like that song? Because we have victory, not defeat. So as Christians, we should walk around with our heads high in Christ, knowing that we have ultimate victory, not defeat, and I don't know, walk around like we're defeated all the time and sad. We should be joyous. So I'm glad to be here. Glad you guys are here. Let's open with a word of prayer and we'll do our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for this morning that we could come and worship you, Lord, and sing praises to you and, and, and give uh, what's yours right back to you, God, and, and to love you and to study your word. And, uh, Lord, to just be joyous in you. So I'm thankful to be here today. Thank you for the rain that we've gotten the last few days, Lord. This beautiful weather this morning. And in all things, God, we, we should just have joyous hearts to you today. And we love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
All right, thank you. You may be seated this morning. Got a few announcements. Um, so we just added this to the calendar. I don't have it on this announcements, but uh, we'll, we will be writing it. Uh, write, I'll be announcing it coming up. The end of September, we are going to have an outreach. It is going to be on September 25th after the morning service. So we've never done this on a Sunday before. But what we'd like to try to do is get more people involved. And, and so what we'll do is after the morning service, starting about, what, 1 o'clock over at the park, we're going to do an outreach. And we'll have lunch. We're going to have another service that afternoon. That evening, we won't have men's Bible study, but we're going to do another outreach that day. It's Sunday, September 25th. So I'm going to be announcing that. If you want to help with that, please let Mike Simons know if you'd like to help with that. Wednesday nights, if you're visiting this morning, every Wednesday night we have a, a whole bunch of stuff that goes on. At 6 o'clock we have dinner, and then we have classes at 6.45. We have children's classes, youth classes, young adult classes, and the ladies are starting a new Bible study uh, this week. Let me see if it's on. Yep, it's Ruth, the book of Ruth. So they st they're starting that this Wednesday night uh, in one of the side classrooms. We also have an adult Bible study uh, up here in the, in the main sanctuary. Men's Bible study tonight at 6 p.m. They're covering the whole armor of God. Tonight is the shoes. The good news, what, what, am I right on that, Max? The shoes. Denny? Or, Denny went downstairs. I know Denny went downstairs. So they're going through the whole armor of God. Um, the, 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 I believe they're talking about shoes tonight. It's at 6 p.m. Um, here at the church men. So business meeting today right after the morning service. It won't take very long, just a couple of things we need to do. So uh, business meeting after the morning service. S uh, next Sunday night is the Crossbridge pool party. So mark this down, next Sunday night from 6.30 to 8.30. We had the sign-up go through. Do we have a sign-up anymore? No? Okay. If you didn't sign up, let Sierra know because we need to know how much food uh, to order. So we order pizza for that. So it's next Sunday night from 6.30 uh, to 8.30. The ladies' crafting that they're going to be doing in September, it's uh, Sunday, September 11th. It's from 2 to 5 p.m. There are flyers for that, ladies, out in uh, the foyer. Or I believe may, they may be on the side table. They're out there uh, for that event, so uh, do that if you would like to. Uh, all the information is right there. You can also see Pat Caps on that. Women's breakfast at Mom's Cafe. Uh, right next door here, Tuesday morning at 8.30, ladies, you're meeting for breakfast. So if you can come to that, Tuesday morning at 8.30. I don't think I forgot anything else. Kids start back to school Tuesday, so we want to be in prayer for them and teachers and um, as they get back after it. So anything else this morning that I forgot maybe? Nope. Okay, if you would stand this morning, let's take up our morning offering and have our uh, worship time together uh, today, and then we'll jump into God's Word together. So let's bless the morning offering this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, Lord, for the opportunity again to be here today, Lord, to worship you. I thank you, Lord, for, for the events we have going on the next month, Lord. I pray for our outreach that we're going to have, Lord, that we could share the gospel with the lost and dying world in our community, develop relationships, and uh, Lord, just share the truth of who you are. Lord, I pray this morning you bless this offering. Uh, Lord, use it to further your kingdom, God, that the gospel will be shared locally, nationally, and around the world. Lord, that's what we're supposed to do as a church. So I, I pray for that. Lord, thank you for the blessings you've given us. As we in our time of worship today, Lord, we lift our voices in song to you and worship of you. We love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
Elena, you are 15 years old, aren't you? Elena's 15 years old, and Ace went to Kansas City to watch the Chiefs play. I don't know why he'd want to do that, but he did. And so he's in Kansas City, and she led worship this morning at 15 years old. Now, imagine what you were doing when you were 15. I know what I was doing, and it wasn't leading worship. So I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. All right, turn your Bibles, if you would. Let's, let's uh, honor God's word together. 1 John chapter 4, back in 1 John today, chapter 4, verses 13 through 21. 1 John 4, 13 through 21. That, the second to last song you sang about blessed be the name of the Lord, it reminds, that, that song really reminds me of the book of Job. I've been reading the book of Job this week, and I don't know if you've read the book of Job. If you haven't, I encourage you to read the book of Job, because in the book of Job, he, he goes through a lot. And he has some uh, friends that weren't really giving him very good advice. And I, I'm at the, towards the end, I, I read the Bible in a year. Uh, every year I try to read the Bible at least through one time. And I'm down towards the end where I'm reading in Job and Revelation. And I'm at the chapters where God starts addressing him back. And it's just, man, it's humbling. Uh, but Job went through a lot, but even through anything he went through in life, he never, he never cursed God. He never blamed God. He was just obedient. Such an example to us. Uh, when things are, things are going to go bad because we live in a sinful world, right? Just uh, find contentment in Christ. Find contentment in God and, and honor Him and you know, stay, stay true to His word. First John, all right, that's a whole other sermon though. 1 John 4, 13 through 21. We'll finish chapter 4 today. It says this, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, but because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have, we have come to know and to believe that God has for us, what, what, that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may be comp have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is so, also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love 
because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has, ha, ha, he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you again for the opportunity again to be here this morning, Lord. And uh, as we're talking again about your love and we finish up this chapter, uh, God, I, I thank you and I worship you for the great, just unexplainable love that um, you gave us by dying for us on the cross. I, I can't fathom it. Um, it's hard to even think of that kind of love because of our selfishness and our sinfulness. But Lord, that's what you did for us. And so Lord, this morning we worship you for that. And we find some great um, truths here in this passage. And Lord, so today I pray that those are shared, that it affects people's lives, their marriages, their families, their homes, their jobs. And Lord, we rest in your love. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we're finishing up chapter 4 uh, in this. And uh, it was a couple of weeks ago when we were uh, in 1 John 4. And just a, just a quick um, recap. We talked about that we are God's ambassadors to the world. And that is, our, that is what he set us to do, that the church is the ambassadors that go out. And that that is a huge, man, what a huge responsibility, but a huge honor that God would pick us to represent him in this world. That now, what the world sees of Jesus, Jesus isn't walking on the earth now, right? So when the world, what is the best picture of Jesus now in this world? You, the church. And how we interact, and so that's a huge honor, but it's a huge responsibility. Uh, today in our text, we see something that's really, really amazing, and I love, and it's the assurance of salvation. How many of you have ever questioned in your life whether you are a follower of Christ or not? How many of you have ever done that? What are you pointing to me up here? What, what are you trying to point to me, guys? You might as well tell me. What? Oh, my bad, Children's Church. I'm on a roll, guys, and you're pointing at style like, what? Okay, Children's Church, I'm sorry. Second grade and below can go downstairs to Children's Church. Who has Children's Church this morning? Olivia, okay, all right, my bad. Okay, let me get back on the roll. So how many, how many of you have ever questioned your salvation in your life? And questioned like, am I really a follower of Christ? Every hand in this room should probably go up. At one time or another, all of us do that. All of us think, oh, am I really a follower of Christ? Scripture teaches us that we know, that we can have assurance that we know. And it gives us some things that we can look at in our lives and see how God has changed us. That's where we start in this text. In verse 13 it says, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. So what, are we, what is he talking about? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee that we are in Christ. That's the first point, is the Holy Spirit guarantees us that we're in Christ. But now it, asks, it brings up a question that we need to answer, and I can't begin to answer it all in one sermon or even this one point, but what is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? What's the third part of the Trinity? The triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We see that the Holy Spirit is God in a whole bunch of texts, but I want to point out one to you this morning, just so you know uh, we can confirm the Trinity again. It's in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. 
This is a pretty famous um, story, a text of a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira. And we'll just read one through four. It says, but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and, his wife's, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now make sure we understand this. What had just happened in the previous chapter is somebody had sold some property and brought all the money in. And so Ananias and Sapphira said, hey, that, that's pretty amazing. Let's do the same thing. So they told everybody, hey, we're going to sell our property and we're going to give all of the money to the apostles. We're going to give all the money to the church, right? Well, that's not what they did, though. So what they did is they sold the property and they only brought part of it in. And they pocketed the rest, which was... Theirs to do rightly what they wanted to. It was their property. But they got themselves in trouble because they presented it and they presented themselves like they were giving the full amount. And they didn't. All right? Verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it at your old disposal? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. But he just said he just lied to the Holy Spirit. All right, let's use our thinking here real quick. Put those two and two together. What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. So, when we, we'll get here in just a minute, but when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, God, living inside of us. All right, the Holy Spirit, the Scripture also teaches that the Holy Spirit possesses the characteristics of God. Here's one example, His omnipresence, Psalms 139, 7-8. It says this, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. David says the Holy Spirit, I can't get away from it. It's everywhere. That is omnipresence. That's a characteristic of God. We, we also know that the Holy Spirit is a divine person because he possesses a mind, emotions, and a will. The Holy Spirit thinks and knows. The Holy Spirit, Scripture says, can be grieved the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. He makes decisions according to His will. As God, the Holy Spirit can also function for a believer as a comforter and a counselor, as Jesus promised in Scripture. Jesus said, when I go away, you're going to receive another. Here's the text, John 14, 16 and 17. He says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. Amazing, amazing thing. The last part of those verses says something profound. When you know God, he dwells in you. He's with you. So we literally have, the Holy Spirit is in creation. If you go back and read Genesis chapter 1, you see the Holy Spirit in creation, the Spirit moving up over the waters. So we literally have God, the triune God, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have salvation through Christ Jesus. It guarantees your salvation. Now, 
That brings up a whole other question, though. And I think of these things as I'm getting the sermon together. I think, well, okay, well, Pastor Jeff, how do we know if someone has the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked me this morning. There's much confusion about the Holy Spirit in having the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. You ever heard that? Like, being filled with the Holy Spirit? What does all that really mean, right? Having the Holy Spirit happens at the moment of salvation. Scripture clearly teaches this. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. There is a difference. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In the letter to the the church in Ephesus, Paul says this, In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. So when you heard the truth, who's the truth? Jesus. When you heard the gospel, what's the gospel? That we are sinners, dead in our sin. We deserve punishment because of our sin. But God, being rich in mercy and love, made a way for us to be forgiven. He came and lived a perfect life. His name was Jesus, God the Son. Lived a perfect life, went to the cross. On the cross, our sins were put on him, and he paid the punishment. When you hear that message, and you believe that message, what happens? You're now sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now you have a guarantee You're guaranteed. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, though, is something completely different. And and you're going to recognize this when I talk about this, because when you profess Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you can be, oh, just dead in sin, and your life is full of sin, and you're living completely just contrary to God's Word. And somebody preaches the gospel to you, they share the gospel with you, you believe in that, and you believe in Jesus, you're counted as righteous, but does that mean your life miraculously changes right then? No. You're still, you still have all the consequences of your sin, and the mess that you've made in your life is still there, right? You're just, it's not going to be held against you in eternity anymore. That doesn't mean that, man, you go from being this, and some people have this misconception that, okay, one day I'm, I'm dead in my sins and I'm just lost as can be. Okay, I believed on Jesus. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be John MacArthur and start preaching the next day. It's not like that, okay? It's, it's not like, life is not like that. The Holy Spirit doesn't work like that. So there's a difference between sealed with the Holy Spirit and having the Holy Spirit and then being filled up with the Holy Spirit. Here's the verses. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is submitting to Christ's control over your life. This is an ongoing thing for believers. Is there anybody in this room that is completely filled with the Holy Spirit? No, because we're still sinners, right? We're still in the flesh. We still have a war waging with inside of us. But I want to say that you should be a lot more filled with the Holy Spirit than on the day that you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you're not, we have a problem. You should grow in your relationship with the Lord. You should grow in your faith. Here's the text on this. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. It's several verses. It's really just one page over from Ephesians. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. The little header 
in your Bible. Some of your Bibles may have little headers above these sets of verses. Mine says, keep in step with the Spirit. I think it's perfect for these sets of verses. Galatians 5, 16 through 26, the end of the chapter, says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enemy, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that, if, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it, it's a really, he gives them a whole bunch of things. He says, if this is the things that you do in your life, don't call yourself a follower of Christ because you're not, right? If you're living in, so, well, I mean, you can't, you're telling me that you can't get angry one time? That means I'm not a Christian? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you do get angry, the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin, and gradually over your life as a follower of Christ, guess what happens? You stop getting angry and, and you become more Christ-like. That's what I'm talking about. It's not that we won't ever sin, right? And he finishes this up. This is great. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And we live by the Spirit. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So what does this all mean? This means that being in step with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is not somebody laying their hand on you and you fall down and flop all over the floor. That's not what it is. It's living your life for Christ. It's living that out in your life, your faith. You have the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Being in step with the Holy Spirit, living by the Holy Spirit, is the outward showing that God is working in your life. That He's changing you. He's making you more and more like who? Like me? No, like Jesus. You become more and more Christ-like over the course of your life. Jesus is making you more and more like him. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. For some people, it happens a lot quicker than others. And you know why? It's one word, obedience. It's obedience. It's being obedient to what you know the truth is. You be obedient. You start, here's the thing. You start to love Jesus more than you do your sin. You desire to please the one who saved you. And that changes your life. It changes your relationships. And then you know what happens? It means that you have assurance of salvation. You know because you're different. Being a follower of Christ and having the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that we're not going to sin and we're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that. It means that we're sealed by what Jesus did on the cross. We're justified in God's eyes by Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. And now we're being changed every day by the power of God. 
What is the best test that you have for the Holy Spirit? Our text in 1 John tells us. Our, our text in 1 John tells us in verse 15. It says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. That's amazing. So there's the test, right? Well, okay, well that's not really hard to confess Jesus as the Son of God, right? It was when that was written. You have to remember when this was wrote. When this was wrote, Rome was in charge. And Rome had an emperor, Caesar. And they had a whole bunch of different Caesars. They would go through Rome. One of them's name was Nero. Nero, if you confess Jesus, you're done. He would take you and impale you on a stake and put oil over the top of you and light you on fire to, to burn his gardens at night, to, to light up his gardens. He used Christians for that. In Rome, if you were a Roman, you confessed that Caesar is Lord, not anybody else. Or you were dead. You're a walking dead man. Rome was brutal. You go back to the empires of the world, Rome was some of the most brutal. Crucifixion, they say, is the worst death that you could possibly have. Romans loved it. They loved it. The fear of crucifixion. Romans were brutal. If you didn't confess Caesar as Lord, you were in trouble. That meant if you confessed that Jesus was your Lord and Savior, you had consequences in your life. Number one, if you were Jewish, they got after you. The religious leaders got after you because they didn't believe in Jesus. And they would persecute you. They would arrest you. They would throw you in jail. The Romans would try to kill you. That's the context of confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Not walking down the aisle and all of us give you a big hug. That didn't happen in the Bible times. So when you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, mean it. It means that you're going to change your life. That you're professing him as your Lord. You're forsaking yourself and you're going to follow him every day. And you're going to live that out in your community. You know what hurts? I'm telling you worse than anything. The number one thing I think that hurts Christianity is people that profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior and then live like hell throughout the week. It, it hurts Christianity more than anything. If you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then let him start filling your life up. Start reading his word. Be obedient to what you read. Hey, it's okay if you're a brand, a brand new believer and you don't know very much. That means you don't have to be obedient to very much. But as you become a follower of Christ and you've been a Christian for 30 years, oh man, you know more. You've heard more sermons. You've read more word of the word. You've been taught more. So you have to be obedient to more. You, hey, too much is given, much is required. Some of us have been Christians in here for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. You know what that means? Much is required of you. Much is required of you. And sometimes, I'll be honest, we get put to shame by some of my brand new brothers and sisters in Christ. You know who should be leading these outreaches? Being honest with you this morning, you know who should be leading the outreaches? If you've been a Christian longer than a year, five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years, we should be the ones leading the charge. But sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to kick my feet up. I've done my time. I've punched my card, right? I'm done. Let these other, no. No, we should be raising up future church leaders 
We should be the ones that are active. Okay, here's second point. Here's second point. Love in our text is the Christian's, uh, Christian assurance of having the Holy Spirit. So whether we love, that's what it says. So when we love, we're now assured that we have the Holy Spirit. If you go back to verses 16 through 21 in, in 1 John 4. When we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, we receive the Holy Spirit. And now, like I said, God's changing us. If you go back to our text in Galatians chapter 5, now we start to receive the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is what? I already mentioned it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So here, what is Paul doing in those verses? He's highlighting several ways that God is now changing us because he's now living in us. And one of those is on the list that John is highlighting in 1 John chapter 4. If you go back to first verse 19, it says in chapter 4, 1 John, it says we love because he first loved us. That's amazing. That's an amazing verse. So the love that we display to one another the love that we have for one another is not because we're good individuals. It's not because we've attained some status as being an amazing person or great Christian, right? We love because of what? Because God loved us. Because of His love. We love because of His love. Because of the love that He showed us. Listen, we didn't deserve the love. That's the whole deal. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's love. That's the best picture I can give you of God's love is that he's perfect, he's holy, and he became sin for me and you. That's amazing. That's amazing. The ultimate act of love was Jesus going to the cross and dying for us. And I can't tell you this morning that I can fathom that. Because I can't. I can't. I cannot wrap my mind around that. Even when I think about it over and over and over, I cannot wrap my mind around that kind of love. But when we believe in that, and we believe in Jesus, now that love changes us. It's inside us. And it changes us. Those are not because I'm good or holy. That's because God is good and God is holy. The first thing I ask, my kids love having friends over. The first thing I do, I got you yesterday, didn't I, Price Messick? He was, we were eating dinner and I said, Price, he's a good kid. His dad's a deacon over at Faith Southern. I said, Price Messick, are you a good person? And he said, no, I'm not. I said, that's a good answer, Price. <laughs> so why are you not a good person? He said, because I broke the commandments. I said, what are those commandments, Price? And he gave me one of the best answers. The little kid. I do that to every friend that Hunter brings over. Savannah, they'll be a senior in high school. I'll say, sit down at the kitchen table. Let's talk. I do that. And very rarely do I get a correct answer. But what it does, it allows me to share the gospel with them, right? And it opens up a conversation. He got those answers right. Because, and I bring that up because Price isn't good or holy. You're, you're a nice young man, but you're not. You're running around with Hunter, right? <laughs> Sorry, son, but you're not good or holy either. Because you take after me, right? 
and I'm not good or holy. God is good and holy. He's the one that's good and holy, not anybody else. Now, here's a rabbit trail real quick, and I like to chase these sometimes. But I believe it's going to edify the body, and I want to give you a quick lesson on love in your home. Okay, Our lives are being filled with the Holy Spirit. God's love is coming out. I want to say, and I said this Wednesday night, that whatever is filling you up inside is what's going to come out. Whatever you're filling your life up with is what's going to come out. I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 19. This is a rabbit trail, but it pertains to this, I believe. It says this, Ephesians 5, 15 through 19. <clears throat> it says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as the unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He uses an example of alcohol, right? Because if you fill yourself up with alcohol, enough of it, what happens? You get drunk and you act like a fool. And you, you embarrass yourself and everybody around you and there's consequences and it's sinful. And I believe he used that for an example of filling yourself up with something. Because he says, it's not just about that one sin. If you fill yourself up with, put insert sin, that sin's going to come out. Right? He just used that sin because it was consumption, I believe. But he says this, <clears throat> But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he said, what is he saying? He says, if you fill yourself up with junk, it's debauchery, but fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. And when you fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit, what comes out? Melodies to God. Songs to God. Pleasant greetings to one another. Love comes out. Your love for God comes out. And then you know what happens? What, what does it say? Give thanks always and everything to God. Giving thanks always. Even when times are hard. When they're great. When they're not great. In every situation, when you're getting filled with the Spirit, what are you doing? You're just giving thanks to God. You're content. You're content. You have joy. You have peace. You have patience. You have kindness. You have goodness. You have self-control. You have love. And then you know what you start doing? Then you're submitting to one another. That means the other person is more important than you. That other people are now more important than you. Now that goes against everything that our society teaches. We are a very I, I, me, me society. Jesus says, not I, not me, but them. To serve. That's what starts coming out. So, so Paul's saying, whatever you fill yourself up with, that's what's going to come out. If you're filling yourself up with the world, then that's going to come out. In how you treat your spouse, listen up. In how you treat your spouse, in how you treat your children, in how, in how you are dedicated to the Lord. 
If you're filling yourself up with Christ, what comes out? Worship of Him. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody. Even when you're not a good singer, your heart is glad and cheerful in the Lord. So listen, what's, what's the point here? You want the keys to joy in the Lord? You want the keys to joy in your home, contentment? It's Christ. It's Christ. It's filling your home up with Christ, not the world. These verses give us the, joy, the, the key to joyful marriages, to joyful homes, to joyful churches, to being happy and worshiping with one another. You know what the next set of verses are about? Verse 22, you know what he starts talking about? Anybody? Without looking? Wives and husbands. He starts talking about marriage. Did you know when they wrote these, they weren't divided into chapters and verses? It was a big letter. It wasn't divided up. He's given us the key. Hey, it's studying this sermon. It made me want to add to the marriage counseling that Selena and I give. Because it's the whole key. What's the whole key? Not some word of wisdom by me. Fill your life up with Christ. You want joy in your life? Fill it up with Christ. Back to the original point, off the rabbit trail. We can only love like Jesus, though, because of his love. Humanly speaking, guys, it's impossible. It's impossible for me to love the unlovable. It's impossible for you guys to love me sometimes, right? Without Christ. Because I know that I can be unlovable. But you know what that is? That's the assurance of salvation. That's how you know you're a follower of Christ. When you love, that's the assurance of salvation. That's what John is saying in verse 20 in chapter 4 of 1 John. He says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. When you love people and you treat people differently with kindness and you care about people, and you love people, you know what that's showing you? You're in Christ. That's assurance of salvation. You're not doing it to get salvation. You're doing it because you have salvation. Because you're in Christ. If you hate people, and you're selfish, and you don't love people, it's a warning that you need Christ. It's a warning to be saved. Now, I love how he finishes this up. This isn't optional. I love that. That means as ornery as I get, you don't have the option whether you get to love me or not. And as much as you may aggravate me sometimes, I don't have the option whether to love you or not. We're commanded to. We're commanded to. Verse 21 says, and this commandment we have from him. A commandment, whoever loves God must also love his brother. It's not an option. It's not an option. It's not an option. I'm going to ask a worship team to come today. I know I worked myself up. Here it's nice and cool in here, and I'm up here sweating. But I'm going to ask a worship team to come. This is, hey, honestly, guys, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is, this is where the rubber meets the road. We can know. We can know and be guaranteed of salvation by the Holy Spirit. Because of our love. Because of our love. 
the whole key to the text, the whole key is Jesus. It's having Christ as your Savior. Then you love people. You love each other because he loved you. I'm telling you, I love meeting together twice a week. I look forward to being here on Sunday. I look forward to meeting with you on Wednesday night. But if that's the only time that I'm filling myself up with things of God, the world's got me. My home's going to suffer. My life's going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. The whole key is Jesus. Maybe you're here today. Satan is attacking you. He's attacking you. You know what you have to do? Well, one, fellas, if you're a guy, you better go to the men's Bible study tonight and listen to the whole armor of God and how to protect yourself from Satan's attacks and to wage war. You better do that. But number two, you've got to humble yourself before God. You have to humble yourself before God and say, God, I've made a mess of this because I haven't been obedient to you. I love love. I'll say this till the day I die and I'm not preaching anymore. I love that we serve a God that when we humble ourselves, he just forgives us. He forgives us. And it's gone for whatever it is. Whatever it is. If we just humble ourselves before God. And you know what you do? You get back to getting filled up with him and not the world. You want the key to any problem that Satan can throw at your life? I'm talking any. Fill yourself up with the Lord. When you fill yourself up with the Lord, your circumstances around you, they don't matter. They don't matter. You know what Job did? Why don't you read the book of Job? You know what Job did? He was filling himself up with the Lord. He trusted in God. So every bad thing that happened in the first chapter, it didn't matter. He was sad. He mourned. He never lost his trust in God. And I'm going to save the teaser. Go to the end of the book of Job. See what God does with Job. Go to the end. You can do that this week. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you need to come this morning, I want you to remember that confessing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it should mean something to you. It should mean something to you. So if you're doing that, I want it to mean something to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning for this church. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to share this text this morning. It's amazing. Thank you for what you taught me this week and studying it and looking at it and rereading it. And um, Lord, I just love you and I thank you and I thank you for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, to worship you. There's people here, Lord, this morning that need you. I pray today's the day. Care if they've been in church their whole life, if they've never trusted in you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray today's the day they do that. They can only be saved through you. Lord, I pray, Lord, if we need to repent of things in our life, that out, Satan's attacking, Lord, we just get down on our knees and pray. Humble ourselves before you and you will restore us. God, in all things, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray, amen.
Okay, uh, here's the benediction, and then we're going to close with something special today. We got kids that start back to school Tuesday. A lot of you, maybe some of you have already started back to school. Uh, we got a big circle, and I wanna, I'm going to have all the kids inside, and we're going to pray for our kids. So I want you to circle up on the outside of the uh, room here. Best you can. Create a big circle. We've done this numerous times on Wednesday nights, so if you're like, what is he doing? That means you need to come on Wednesday night sometime. Here's the benediction while you're circling up. The benediction is Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I want all of the kids in the middle. All the kids are in the middle. That's me, that's me, let me do Marty is not a kid. That means if you're a senior in high school or below, or a baby, an infant, in the middle. All right, everybody grab a hand. Are all the kids in here? Everybody here? All right, perfect. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning, uh, just that we could gather, Lord, and worship you. And right now that we're spending time, Lord, as brothers and sisters circling up, praying for our kids, God. I pray, Lord, as they start school this week, Lord, that you, uh, you watch over and protect them, Lord, keep them safe. And, Lord, that they will um, be, a, be a light for you. Uh, in our community. Be with our teachers, uh, Lord, as, as they're going to have the opportunity so much this year to share the truth of who you are. Uh, Lord, I pray for them. Uh, let them study hard, be obedient to their teachers and parents. Uh, Lord, and I'm thankful, Lord. Uh, children are a blessing from you, and we are very, very blessed here uh, at this church with all these kids. So, Lord, let them know that they're a part of this body. We love them. We care for them, uh, Lord. And in all things, as we leave here, uh, Lord, today, joyous and thankful uh, to be your children. Uh, that is a, a privilege and honor that you, uh, it's all through you, Lord, and, and nothing to do with us. And so, Lord, I love you, and we worship you as we leave here. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You guys have a very blessed, great day. Business meeting will start 10 minutes after the service.